Full Scope, Human Longevity and Performance Podcast. We want you to become the most exceptional, high-performing version of yourself. And to facilitate this, we are giving away the Longevity Fundamentals Handbook absolutely free. This is a tremendous resource that will tell you the lifestyle behaviors and mindset that will lead to the best outcomes and longevity. To get this, go to our website, wondermedicine.com or fullscope.org, put in your email, and we will send you this amazing resource, the Longevity Fundamentals Handbook. During the last 10 years at the University of Colorado School of Medicine, the Family Medicine Residency of Idaho, and post-residency in my career as a hospitalist, I've worked at almost 30 different hospitals across three different regions in the United States. These include small rural hospitals, large urban hospitals, academic centers, and community hospitals. I've really gotten a full picture for what different types of hospitals and hospital systems look like. And my experience at all these different hospitals is that there are a few different things that we need to do as a collective hospital system to offer our patients better care. These things are essential to patient health and they're things that we've largely ignored or swept under the rug or not place focus on. And in this episode of Full Scope, I want to talk about some of these low-hanging fruit problems that all the hospitals that I've worked at tend to have, I think could be easily addressed and I think would help our patients tremendously. Please note that this episode does not have any references and it represents my opinions and my experiences. If you would like medical knowledge based on references and things like that, please check out one of the other episodes. But if you want to hear about some things that I believe could greatly improve hospitals and hospital systems, please keep listening. But before I get started... I want to just tell you about why I went into hospital medicine in the first place straight out of residency. Now, I was a family medicine resident, and I think the majority of my peers will end up going into outpatient medical care. And of course, you know, I do both outpatient medical care as, a, as part of my direct primary care clinic, Wonder Medicine. But the first job I had out of residency was as a hospitalist. And the reason I was attracted to this field is because... United States acute care is really good. We do a really good job of recognizing acute illness, treating acute illness, getting people better in a short amount of time, and getting them home. It represents immediate feedback for anybody working in the hospital because over the course of usually a few days, you can take somebody that's very sick give them medications or treatments or other therapeutics and get them better and get them home. This was very different than my experience in outpatient Western medicine. In fact, I found that most of my patients tended to not ever get better. They never followed my recommendations for lifestyle changes. 
Sometimes they would take the medicines that I would prescribe, but oftentimes the medicines were more like band-aids. They would help patients limp along, but wouldn't actually get them any better or cure their disease. So I naturally gravitated towards acute care because I like to see the results. I like to see the benefits, and it made me feel good and, and, and was just really cool. And now, of course, all of that stuff about acute care being good is cost aside. The cost that we charge, or the price that we charge people is atrocious. But as far as the quality of the care, it's pretty darn good. All that being said, there is tremendous room for improvement. The first thing to really say is that healthcare remains the third leading cause of death in the United States after heart disease and cancer. And actually, with the COVID-19 pandemic, we're actually now the fourth leading cause because of how many people have died from COVID. But this is not good. People should not be dying as a result of our care and more specifically, errors in our care. And so preventing medical errors, learning about which medicines we're using are actually killing people as opposed to helping them and using big data to leverage a lot of that information and also just profound introspection to do better each day on the job will really help us take better care of our patients. But I don't want to talk about how healthcare and doctors are one of the big causes of why people are killed. That's a whole other topic and actually somewhat controversial. But I truly believe that it is true. But today I want to talk about more systems-based things, things that I think are for some reason being ignored. And if your hospital system is doing any of these things, please contact me. I would love to hear about them. I'd love to hear about how it's going. But I think as we move into this next century, we really need to start focusing on some of these pillars of health, some of these low-hanging fruit that could really help our hospitalized patients do a lot better. And those main things are, and there's a lot of these things, but the main things I want to talk about are sleep, or more specifically, the lack of protected sleep we give our patients in the hospital. Food. We do not feed people healthy food in nearly all of the hospital systems that I've worked at. The next thing is the lack of time outside and the lack of exposure to real sunlight and contact with the true earth. It is amazingly cooped up in some of our hospital rooms and we just don't let patients out at all. And then the final thing is our tremendous fear of falls and how that has undermined our ability to mobilize patients, to keep them moving Early mobilization is just so critical to health and recovery, and we really undercut this with, with the way that we put patients on, on bed rest or fall precautions. And so I want to go through each one of those things one by one, talk a little bit more about them, and then we'll call it good. All right, sleep. This is by far the biggest problem in the inpatient setting. And what I always see is that patients tend to be woken up for one reason or another throughout the course of the night. And no matter how hard I try, 
I can't prevent this. Basically, I write a nursing text order on almost every patient saying, please do not disturb the patient between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. except for emergencies. But somehow, this always tends to break down. We have to start prioritizing the sleep of our patients. Sleep is so essential to the recovery of the body and the brain the proper functioning of the immune system, mental health and wellness, which are critical to recovery. Having the right attitude is so important, and people who aren't sleeping just can't have nearly as good of an attitude as people who are. In fact, the next podcast I'm about to do is on sleep, and I will say that it is a beast of a topic, and it's taking me more time and than expected and for that reason I'm launching this podcast right now but we have got to start prioritizing the sleep of our patients in our hospital it needs to be part of the order set do not disturb patients during bedtime hours which could ideally be set by the patient when do you like to sleep when do you like to go to bed when do you like to wake up okay great these are your protected hours we will not disturb you unless you call us or if you're having an emergency And that could be such a big game changer for our patients. Unfortunately, we have prioritized the staff a lot of times uh, in convenience. For instance, getting labs at 6 a.m. It's nice for me as a doctor to wake up and have labs ready to go when when I'm getting on the floor at 7. But at the end of the day, I think it would be fine to see the patient and then sit down and look at the labs after seeing them so that they don't have to get poked so early in the morning, particularly if they tend to be one that likes to sleep in. But sleep has been something that every hospital I've ever worked at has undermined, and I think we really have to change the way we do things with regard to sleep. Okay, the next thing is food. Now, I've seen a lot of variation from hospital to hospital on food. Some places have pretty good high-quality food, and some places have much lower-quality food. But in general, we do not feed people very healthy food in the hospital. What I think would be ideal is if we could feed the patients the healthy food that we want them to eat out of the hospital. A diet that is largely based on vegetables and fruits, high-quality sources of protein, and really healthy fats. And I think getting the best quality stuff would be ideal. I mean, at the end of the day, as, as, as anyone knows that's listened to my last podcast, I think we should offer people organic food, uh, particularly if they que- if they request it. I think we should offer people more fresh fruits and vegetables and more just fresh whole food in general. What I see is just lots and lots of comfort food in the hospital. And in the hospital's defense, when people are sick, they tend to gravitate towards comfort food. And certainly that needs to be an option. We need to have on the menu healthy items, recommended items, and then we need to have comfort food. Because truly, when I'm sick, I, I tend to eat junk. You know, macaroni and cheese starts to sound much better when I'm really sick. But we need to offer really high-quality, healthy options as well. And this really falls apart in the care of our diabetic patients. 
every hospital I work at seems to just have a, quote, carb-controlled diet where they get put on 60 grams of carbs per meal or 70 grams of carbs. I come in and they're eating pancakes and hash browns because that's a lot of grams of carbs. And it would be great if we could you know, offer a more ketogenic diet to these people, kind of demonstrate what, what we'd like to see them doing in the outpatient setting to truly help with their disease and weight loss and things like that. And so food is, is a big part of health. Food is, in fact, food is, is health. Food is medicine, and we need to start acting like in the hospital. We need to start offering people the highest quality food sources and set an example for them for how they should be eating out of the hospital so that we can try and you know keep them from having to come back in the future. The next big thing is the lack of exposure to the outside world and natural sunlight and connection with the earth. During COVID, this has been a huge problem because we lock people up in isolation rooms. They're not even allowed to walk into the hallway, and they're just so isolated in these rooms. But I think it's so important for people to get outside, to breathe fresh air, to have sunlight hit and activate their skin, particularly in, their mor- in the morning. This will help them with sleep. This will charge a lot of body functions. It's just good for you. It's healing. Anybody that's ever had to stay in a room for a few days and not leave knows how great it is to go outside. And so we need to set up systems where patients have the ability to get outside every day. They can get natural sunlight and they can get natural contact with the earth. One of the things that I've been looking into a lot lately is earthing or grounding. And that is basically the importance of having electrical direct contact and conduction with the actual ground of the earth. And A lot of small trials have shown a number of benefits, everything from better sleep, less stress, less inflammation, to better blood flow. And so I think that what, what I would love to see is an experiment where we actually ground patients in the hospital and see if they recover faster from a, from a physical standpoint. You could also ground patients and see if they have less DVTs or deep venous thromboses because of the improved blood flow. But I think the big part of this uh, section is that we need to offer patients the opportunity to get outside. We'd know it's good for you and it would really help. And we just keep these people so cooped up that it's, it's offensive. The next thing that is really, really bad is fall precautions and the prevention and preventing people from, from moving and walking. Now falls are bad. They hurt a lot of people, people fracture bones, they're big issues, and they're certainly a safety issue. But the Center for, for Medicaid and Medicare Services really has put the fear of God into every hospital about falls. They're so unaccepted that we have everyone on bed alarms. We don't let anyone get up. And it's really, I think, causing a big net harm. Early mobility is so important for patients' recovery. And when we keep them laying in bed and we only allow them one or two, three opportunities to get up and stand per day, that's a really bad thing. I think we should be accepting a lot more falls so that we can mobilize people earlier. I tell every one of my patients, if you keep moving, you're likely going to keep moving. But if you stop moving, eventually you will stop moving forever. And a big part of that is just letting them move in the hospital. And so I think that's really important. And I think we need to rethink a lot of this wisdom from the top that comes from places like Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, that comes from Joint Commission, 
that comes from other laws and regulatory bodies because they just are not in line with the patient's best interest. They appear to be written by bureaucrats and they have no place in healthcare. As most of us are aware, people love television and nobody loves television more than the baby boomers. This generation is absolutely tied to the television and as these represent most of my patients at this time, I simply must say that all of my patients just have the television going all day and that's usually all they're doing. They're not reading, they're not engaging with other people, they're not drawing or meditating, they're just watching television. As I've talked about in other episodes, or at least one other episode, there was an epidemiological study in Australia that showed that watching four or more hours of television a day causes the same decrease in lifespan, sorry, is correlated with the same decrease in lifespan as being a daily tobacco smoker. And so let, having patients just sit down and watch television all day is probably not benefiting anyone. Older folks need activities. They need mind engagement. They need creative outlets to help with things like stress, to make them feel fulfilled, and just to better pass the time in the hospital in a healthier way. And for that reason, I think we need to start treating these more elderly people like children because in, in many ways they kind of behave and, and act like children. And I think something that would be really useful would be a recreational therapist. In the same way that in a pediatric unit, you have a recreational therapist that goes around with toys, coloring books, educational activities. We need that for adults. We need to turn off these people's televisions and get them doing something more productive, something that might augment their mental abilities and help with their recovery. And so that's another thing that I didn't mention, but I think is really important. And honestly, this podcast is just scratching the surface, but these are some of the huge things in healthcare that we are not letting people do. We're not letting them sleep. In fact, we're actively waking them up. And on top of that, we've got noise everywhere, beeping everywhere. We've got all this light pollution in the room. And so it's just not set up for sleep at all. We're not using the opportunity in the hospital to show people what healthy food is and to give them the proper nourishment that they need to get better and recover. We're keeping patients inside and away from contact from sunlight, fresh air, and contact with the electrical earth. And I think getting patients outside every day is important and should be a, a marker of quality for any hospital. And then finally, we're so afraid of falling that we don't mobilize patients enough and we, we, we end up causing more debility, and, more debility and more harm, I think, than we need to. Now, there's a lot of other things that could be discussed in this podcast, a lot of smaller things that, that I think could help. One thing I know some hospitals are doing, but most don't, is just handing patients their prescriptions when they leave the hospital. Like the idea that you're just leaving the hospital, you're sick, and now you've got to swing through a pharmacy first thing to get your antibiotic or, or something else it is not the best way to do it. We should be handing people a bag of medications to supply them with at least the 
the first week, if not the first month of medications, after which they can follow up. This would make things like Sunday discharges so much easier in the rural hospitals that I work in. I love the idea of improving our hospitals, of focusing more on wellness, and of taking better care of our sick patients. And I'd love to hear what you think. I'd love to hear if your hospital systems are doing any of these things or other things that are meant to improve things like wellness. My general sense is that most hospitals are doing things the way they've been doing them for 50 to 100 years. Most of these organizations, like the rest of our society, have become so institutionalized that it's just so hard to change even basic functions that would so obviously help patients, like getting them protected sleep. But in order for us to build a better society, in order for us to do the things we need to do to take better care of our patients, we need to change. Thank you so much for listening to the Full Scope Podcast and investing in your health. I'm Dr. Bill Randenberg. If you're enjoying the content, please rate, review, and share this content with all of your friends online and all your social media platforms. Please understand that this podcast is not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure your specific medical condition. This podcast does not create any type of doctor-patient relationship between myself, Dr. Brandenburg, and you, the listener. If you do need help with your life, with your health, with anything regarding your longevity or performance, please check out wondermedicine.com. Our longevity and performance program is the best in the world and is ready to help you right now, today, become the best possible individual you can be. Thanks. Bye-bye.